Hello, and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm glad you're here with us today. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Episode 14 is here, and we have our biggest guest to date. Uh, we'll be talking about something that bothers both job seekers and folks who are new to the job alike. Uh, it's called imposter syndrome. And if you've never heard of imposter syndrome, it's something that can really take the wind out of your sails when it comes to job hunting, as well as you're improving, improving your own prospects for better employment. Now, everyone experiences imposter syndrome, and we can get some great insight on this from one of my favorite people today, who has uh, not only made his own thing, like we talked about with uh, Chris Zahn in episode 10, but he's running it into somewhat uncharted territory. And as he grows in this role and creates the project to his liking and vision, we're going to learn a little bit about that from him today and how he faces down imposter syndrome. But before we get to our guest today and introduce him, uh, we're going to set the stage as we normally do with a reminder and a welcome for those who are just tuning in to, return, to Recruiting Hell for the first time and may have some questions about this whole operation. So what is Recruiting Hell? Recruiting Hell is a term that I used to describe the frustration of job hunting in 2020. If you head to any major job site or employer, there are endless opportunities, but it's gotten more and more difficult to land those jobs for the average person. The whole goal of this show is to give you the tools to help you find a job that brings you both fulfillment and self-worth. Now, not everyone defines their self-worth on their job, but here in American culture, we place a heavy value on being a contributing member of society. And of course, not hating what you do every day to pay the bills is a massive benefit to anyone. The whole goal of this show is to help you navigate through recruiting hell by avoiding the scam jobs, the bad employers, the too much work for too little pay, and the mental stress of being jobless or in a position that you hate. We're here to help you keep your chin up after your 200th application with no response, your 50th rejection email this month, or a great opportunity ghosting you. In a nutshell, this show is about helping people. And if we can help just one other person out there land a new position and get them out of recruiting hell, that's a win for them, a win for me, and a win for our society as a whole. So now that we've, of course, discussed the purpose of the show, let's shift to the topic at hand, imposter syndrome. Uh, this mental roadblock, if you will, is often characterized by a frequent and chronic self-doubt in one's abilities and skills. It's that really negative voice in your head that constantly says, you're not good enough. You can't do this. You'll never make it. Now, our guest today is someone I selected to bring on this show, not only because he helped me conquer some of my own imposter syndrome challenges with this show and other things, but he's someone who facilitates others to be the best version of themselves when tackling new projects. So it is my pleasure to invite on Elsie Flinard III, uh, the mayor of Podcast Town, to our show today. Uh, Elsie, welcome to the show. It is wonderful to have you on, and I will say it is a shame on me for not having you here sooner. Good sir, welcome. Thank you so much. And I will also add a little bit of, of shame to you as well for taking so long <laughs> to, to invite me on. But I, I'm so glad to be here. Well, definitely. Elsie. Again, it is just great to have you. And again, the the whole story here, the, the journey between yourself and myself here, I think is really a, a neat thing. And uh, I'll set the stage and kind of jump in this a little bit here uh, first, and then I'll let you take over. You and I didn't know each other a very short amount of time ago. And actually when we were, we were talking about the beginnings of this uh, little scripture, you said it's two months, not four. So two months ago, 
this relationship didn't happen. I didn't have a show. I was facing some really crazy challenges and tough things on what to do with the concept that I had to help people find better jobs. And then you reached out to me on LinkedIn with this new concept of yours called Podcast Town. And me being somebody who was starting a show, I thought this was sort of interesting and really timely. So I signed up and became a founding member. If we fast forward the two months to today, we've got a great business relationship, you and I, that I didn't think we would ever have a chance of pulling out of that little LinkedIn invite and signing up for a website that I didn't know much about. So uh, Elsie, to give people an idea of where you're coming from and where your advice matters when it comes to talking about imposter syndrome and you know, sort of the things that surround it, why don't you give us the Elsie Flinard story from whenever you kind of want to start that up until bringing us to today? Got it. How, how much time do you have, Rob? Well, I, it's, <laughs> <laughs> we could, hey, we can chop this into a number of episodes if you want. <laughs> Got it. So the the long short version is I I grew up in one of the one of the smaller towns in uh, southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. We had zero stoplights, zero. Uh, you know, there was one gas station, one um, grocery store. Everybody knew everybody. So just a, a, a quintessential small town um, America. And uh, when you, you talk about imposter syndrome, you know, I didn't think that I was smart enough to go to college. Right. I didn't think that I was um, I could afford to go to college. So in high school, I was my plan was I was just going to join the military because I thought that that's what poor kids who weren't, weren't smart enough and couldn't afford college. That's what they did. They just went to the military, not to say that there's anything bad about the military, but that was my, right. my, my perception and my mindset. Well, sure. And there's nothing, and, a mistake about that. You know, for a lot of folks that is upward mobility, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yep. so continue, please. Yep. And so, but I had people in my life and I'll never forget it. I was having a conversation with uh, my sister and she said, you know, Elsie, I, I respect your decision, you know, to join the military. Cause she had done, done that before. And my uh, two older sisters, both of them went that route. Um, but she said, well, you know, Elsie, I, I, I think you can do something different, you know, not to say that the military is bad, but I, I think you could go to college. I think you could take that route. And it was her, uh, my mom and my, my peep, the people around me that really encouraged me and planted that seed that, um, that I could do it. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I'm, I'm listening to the, this encouragement and I go to my, my recruiter at the time and I say, you know, I think I'm going to take a different route, you know, because we have been in conversations. This is junior, senior year. <laughs> go to the recruiter and, and be said, like, no. Yeah, and I said, you know, I think I want to go a different route. You know, I want to, I want to go to to college and and do that. And he, I never forget it. He looked me right in the face and he said, "You can't afford it. You'll never do it." And that was the moment in my life where it went from this kid who wasn't smart enough, couldn't afford it, to not only am I going to go. But I'm going to go to the, the college of my choice, and I'm going to kill it. Uh, for you, you guys who don't know what that means, that means I'm going to get good grades, and I'm going to graduate with honors. And so that was the, that point in my life, again, where my mindset shifted. And I, I started to really see myself not um, in an arrogant way, but, but realizing the power that I, that I had when my mindset matched my actions. Um, and 
the rest is history, you know, went to um, uh, tech school for two years, graduated there, decided to get a bachelor's degree, did that. Uh, and then sometime later went and got my MBA. So I, I showed him. <laughs> so good. <laughs> that is, is kind of, again, that, that pivotal moment in my life that I draw from, um, even when I was launching podcast towns, like why, why would anybody want to join a group that has me at the helm and to teach them anything, you know, that, that thought crept, creeps in. Um, but then I hear the, the voices of my, my sister and of my mom and all the people who supported me saying, no, Elsie, you, you can do this. You have something to offer. So it's a, it, it's kind of a, of, of a mix between, um, having the humility, but understanding the power you possess. That, that is like the best win story I've ever heard, especially teaching the recruiter. Huh, I got my MBA now, jerk. <laughs> That's fabulous, man. <laughs> So now we've got a little background of kind of where you, you came from. And I'm sure when he was, when that recruiter talked to you, that probably, you know, it probably really hurt when he said, you can't, you know, you're not going to make it. And then you did. And that's, that's the neatest thing. You know, he, he put that kind of imposter syndrome maybe in you and, and you conquered that, which is outstanding. So what on earth made you want to start a community that, you know, was kind of based on podcasting, you know, combine this kind of with the next question too, and do this job versus working for someone else. Yeah. So here's, here's the, the, the truth, Rob, I'm, I'm giving you the truth here. I've always wanted to own my own business. Like ever since I was a little boy, I was the kid who, who would draft out the playoff brackets, give the teams names nice. and play the, the, I was that kid that would create board games, play them with myself, try to get my, you know, siblings to play with me. I, w I was that kid who, you know, would tear apart my, uh, my Casio keyboard and try to get the parts to work. So I was that guy, but was expensive. I was also, <laughs> so, but I was also the kid who had a, a, a decent head on his shoulders. I understood very early that I wanted to have a family and um, didn't work out so well for me. My mom and dad divorced when I was um, about six years old. So I, I didn't have that, uh, that element to my family life. Um, and I always wanted that. But I realized that if I was going to get a decent mate, I should probably have a job so that I could feed the family that I wanted to grow. So my plan was, okay, I'll go to college because, again, I was going to show that recruiter that not only can I do it, but I'm going to do it well. So my plan was I was going to go to college, I was going to get a decent job, and then I was going to build my business on the side and then transition from working for somebody else to working for myself. And I'm happy to announce that here we are. So right. the plan worked. It took a little bit longer than I anticipated, but in essence, the plan worked. So um, I've always wanted to own my own business. I've always been that guy who um, had vision and, and wanted to um, couple that with, um, with the practical um, aspect of it. A lot of people, uh, quote unquote, want to start their own business, but they don't really want to start their own business. They, it's a good... It's a really cool thing to say, uh, but a lot of people don't um, understand what it takes. Um, and so, I again, I've always wanted to own my own business. It, it was just really, for me, a matter of time. Gotcha. And actually, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because, uh, you know, we've had an episode here on go do your own thing. And I think what you just said almost tempers that a little bit when it comes to go do your own thing, but be aware that it takes a ton of work and that you're going to, number one, feel 
stress in a way that you've probably never felt before, not just from the, I can't do this, but also, you know, the imposter syndrome side, but also the societal economic pressures of, of owning a business in the, in the modern age. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. So moving a bit further into, into this and kind of digging into the, the main topic here of imposter syndrome. So if, po if people were part of a community uh, like Podcast Town, you know, which I am, I am a member, you know, the show is a, a resident episode and I love being a part of this, they'd likely find a ton of coaching from you about their shows and their path forward. Elsie, where did you get this? Where did, where did you get this ability to push people to kind of fight that imposter syndrome uh, voice, if you will? Where, where did that come from in your past? Yeah, that's a really great question, Rob. I think for me, I've always been a leader. You know, he, you know, I was a point guard in, in high school basketball. Um, I've, I've always been the, the type of person who wanted to pull, push, and get the best out of people. And one day I'm sitting on my, at my whiteboard and I'm thinking, you know, thinking through uh, Enterprise Now, uh, what are the next steps? What do I want to do? How can I add value? And I, I really wanted to launch a coaching program. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was talking with my coach. I was telling him all the, the, the intricacies of what I wanted to do. And the name Podcast Town comes up. So it, initially it was just going to be the name of a coaching program. And, and that was it. We were going to meet four times a, a, a month, and that was going to be it. Keep, keep it simple, my sure. coach told me. But, of course, as an entrepreneur, I did not keep it simple, and it ended up pivoting my entire business to being what it is today. Uh, but to answer your question, I genuinely want people to win. And when I say win, I want them to be the best version of themselves, whether that's um, their podcast, whether it's their business in every, in, in every form. And so podcast town for me is that is the expression of that vision is the expression of that, uh, that um, mission to share the, the things that I've learned over the, over the years and to prevent people from falling into the same potholes that I fell into. Um, Additionally, you know, the, the podcast genre and, and um, it is grown so much in a good way, um, but it's a lot more competitive. And so I, I feel like I am the uh, the underdog, you know, in, sure. in life yeah. in, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways. So I'm always rooting for the underdog. And right now, indie podcasters are the underdog. We're not the Joe Rogans of, of the world. So we, we have to be very uh, strategic about um, content. We have to be focused on our, our mission, et cetera. So, so my vision for Podcast Town is to help podcasters get better at podcasting, uh, grow their audience, and make, make more money, you know, if that's what they desire. So um, it really just comes from a place of wanting to add value. Um, I'm a self-proclaimed podcast evangelist. <laughs> I want to see the medium move forward uh, because it's so powerful. It, it's, uh, you, you talk about, um, you know, developing your voice and uh, the relationships that you build. So it's an it's a extremely powerful medium, and I want as many people as humanly possible to take advantage of it and benefit from it. Got it. So there's, there's a part of that that's, that's very, like, niche for, hey, you know podcasts, I know podcasts, but not everybody out there is a podcaster, and maybe not everybody can be. But I, I was, as you were talking, I was drawing all these lines between 
that applies to podcasts and job hunting. And this applies to this. And, and you know, all these dots connected. So from what I, I kind of distilled out of that LZ from, from hearing you, you go on that, uh, down that, that great path there is that you need to maybe find a mentor. If you're, if you're in the job market or whatever you're doing, whatever you're trying to better yourself on and kind of beat imposter syndrome on, you got to find somebody who's kind of going to give you the right moves to do so. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. I think um, you look at guys like I have a, um, a Giannis bobblehead here on my desk. Oh, yeah. He's as, great. As He's such a great guy. He is such a great guy. But I remember when he was first drafted, he was 17-ish, 17, 18 yeah, years old. Kid. He was skinny. He He had the fire. He had the passion. He had the desire. But it was the coaching right it was the coaching it was the the direction it was the instruction that made him and is making him what he is today you don't get from where he was to where he where he is now without coaching without that right. that outside perspective saying hey Giannis you need to get in the in the weight room and, and lift or um, have you checked out this move and if you implemented this into your game this will take you to the next level so um, you're absolutely right whether it's a, a, a podcast or whether it's um, bettering yourself professionally um, finding a job your your relationships the people who can pour into you who can um, tell you about uh, opportunities and uh, help you identify those blind spots. We all have them, right? It, it might be how you're presenting. It may be how it, your, your speech, it might be your mindset. So having a coach or, and people in your corner who can kind of help you identify those blind spots, invaluable. Got it. All right, so slight gear sh- shift here, Elsie. How do you tackle imposter syndrome for yourself? Okay, that's a great question, and I'm going to give you the deepest answer that I can pull out of uh, my my soul, my being. Are you ready, Rob? Go. Here it is. People listening, get closer to your your speakers. <laughs> this is going to be deep. I'm I'm here, man. I just do it. It's it's really that simple. I just do it. You know, when when I was launching Podcast Town, it was like, okay, why would people listen to me? You know. Why would they join the community? Why would they participate and engage? So I just did it. I just did it because I I've, I feel strongly that if you are in a, in alignment with your your values, you stay true to who you are, and you are your authentic self. Good things are going to happen. You but you're go, you're going to make mistakes. There are going to be things that you do and you look at. Uh, three, four, seven years from now and say, okay, I should have probably done that different. Hopefully you don't cringe too hard, right? (laughs) But but I've had a a mentor once tell me that if you do whatever, it it could be releasing a project, it could be uh, a product, it could be a podcast, and you listen to it years later and you don't cringe at the first one, you waited too long. And I, I take that to heart and I, I take that advice. You know, there are things that, that I could have done with, with podcast out even, um, but I didn't. I just got it out there. I got people who, who, who I have felt identified with what we we're trying to do and would get value out of it. And we're making it better every day. So I think how you get over it is you just do it. You, you um, again, you realize that you're um, extremely uh, powerful um, but you uh, approach it as um, with as much humility uh, as you can. 
um, I call it the dichotomy of the human existence. Because on one hand, you are the only Rob on the face of the planet that has ever been, ever is, and ever will be. That's pretty special. It is, but there are also some people I know who'd say that that should be, that's the way it should be. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) But But on the other hand, to not make fun of that, no, you're absolutely correct. You're just like everybody else. So there's this balance between understanding that you are the most unique thing, uh, creation on the face of this planet, but yet you're still like everybody else. So, so I think when you embrace that concept, it, it's easier to move ahead and not have that imposter syndrome because you realize that what you bring to the table is invaluable. But at the same time, you're, you're dealing with people that are, are um, you know, sharing that, that experience. That was okay. That was incredibly deep. That was awesome. <laughs> it tells you that, that this, why you're here. Thank you. That was, that, I've heard actually that, that same thing almost said, I, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk said that a number of years ago. Um, you've won the lottery of the universe. It's one in 400 billion, I think, that you're a human being on this planet right mm-hmm. now. Yep. And pretty special. Yeah. And you're not fired up about it, I think is what he says. You're not, you're not pumped. <laughs> so. I think that's, that's a great, great segue. And actually it moves right act, uh, right on into the next question here is that in your mind, Elsie, there's gotta be some reality to, to imposter syndrome. Cause I know in, in my mind, I think it's like, you don't want to listen to that negative voice because it, it's just tearing you down. But at the same time, sometimes it's right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and to go back to Gary V, he says in one of, one of my favorite of his videos, he goes, some of you suck. He just and that's that's very plain. So, in your mind, when is it okay to suck? Whether it's at your job or maybe at something that's just a hobby. Yeah, I think going back to your 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 point, um, I, it's definitely real. Um, I, I embrace it um, because I think even when you look at you know when people criticize or um, are critical, sometimes they're right. Yeah, <laughs> and being open to that, I think, is is an advantage, um, because when those negative thoughts come, I actually invite them to have a seat at the table. Let's talk about those those things. What you know? Why don't you think that's going to work? Because I think, and I don't have that conversation out loud with myself. Just so you know, I, sure. I am normal that way. But I invite it to the table. You know, you know, I, I made the the proclamation that we wanted to get the thirty k members. Is that possible? Maybe, maybe not. But the only way to find to find out is to is to try, you know. So those negative thoughts come. It's like, well, what makes you think that you're going to do this? Over and uh, to your point, maybe it's right. But the wonderful thing about life, business, otherwise, is what if it's not right? What if it's what if it's wrong? Right? What if I can do it? What if we can do it? So, uh, so I think I I bring I invite those negative thoughts. Let's have a conversation. And and again, to your point. Sometimes they're right, but even when they're right, they're not right 100% of the time forever. So they might be right on Monday, but Friday's a different ballgame. Every single day is a brand new opportunity to prove that negative thought wrong. Um, and to the um, point of, uh, that Gary V makes is uh, we're dying, even as we, as we speak. And so how much time do you want to lend to those uh, to that that imposter syndrome before you understand that 
you know, it, it, it's a number, a numbers game, right? If I take 10 shots mm-hmm. at the basket, um, I might suck at first. But if you take those, uh, the negative outcomes, you analyze them, you em- embrace them, learn from them, you're going to get better. It, it's just a matter of how are you looking at the mistakes? How are you looking at the, the things that you thought would go one way but went uh, a different way? And how are you incorporating those into your, um, your, your strategy? So I think um, sometimes they, they are right but they're not right forever. And there are so many good sound bites out of this already. That's what I love about episodes like this. Really some great and, uh, and deep thoughts there, Elsie. that that's, I really like how you turned that on its head, which is just outstanding. So next question, moving more into the job realm, what are some strategies when pursuing something new that a job seeker could take and make their own to help kind of ease up on that imposter feeling. Yeah, I think just being really good at what you do, um, and and I, I understand what what you're saying with um, what if it's true that you suck. Yeah, but everything is relative, right? I've I've worked with um, so I have a an engineering background. Mm-hmm. I've worked with great engineers. I've worked with not so great engineers, and ironically it was the not so great engineers that they didn't think that they were not so great. They sucked, but you couldn't tell them that. So I think perception perspective mindset um, is super important uh, because what you think is, is bad or a poor performance might be exceptional to somebody else. So I think it's important to, um, to understand that, alignment with um, timing, skill set, mindset are almost more important than whether you're good or not. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, in in other words, that same engineer that was not so good Mm -hmm. might be a rock star in a culture that that emphasizes their strengths. Uh, But if I'm really good with, um, for example, um, being analytical, and I'm in a culture where being um, thrive that thrives on uh, spontaneity, I'm probably not going to be a good fit there. So they might look at it and say, "Well, you know, he's 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 not good." But it's not that he he or she is not good; it's just that they don't fit. So I think finding the right culture fit is is almost in, as important as the skill set itself. Interesting, because I've actually seen that be said by a number of companies, like we hire for attitude, not for aptitude, I think. Yep. And and that's something that, that for somebody like myself, if you'd asked me that like two or three years ago, I would have told you you were totally full of, just full of it because I mean, you got to be able to do your job, but if you are pushing yourself in a culture that isn't going to let you succeed anyway, I think that, that, I mean, it's not going to happen no matter how good you are at your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it'll actually hurt you. I've, I've been in environments where the things that make me who I am were were opposite of what that culture was. You know, being studious, being um, meticulous, just didn't fit in the culture. Wasn't anything wrong necessarily with the with the uh, organization. Nothing wrong with me, just not a good fit. Gotcha, because you're moving at a different rates than they are. 
that's at least always the way I described it, is that you're the machine is moving at one speed and you're a gear that's moving at a different speed. Mm-hmm. So, got it. All right. Now this is the this was the question that I put in here that I really wanted you to answer because of not only you transitioning out of being an engineer and all that all that uh, education we've talked about that you've gotten. Yep. Uh, so sometimes we we see folks that have you know either a lack of knowledge whether it's a result of an education gap or a skill gap, and I'm really curious, Elsie, what is your opinion? on reinvesting in long-term education, maybe formal as well for yourself as a person when it comes to an atmosphere like now. Obviously, there are people who are, you know, kind of hurting for jobs and things like that and maybe don't quite know where, you know, next month's mortgage is coming from or their rent or things like that. I'm really curious as to what you, what you as somebody who have reskilled yourself by launching your own platform have to say about somebody who, who may want to invest in themselves but might have actually a hard time doing so? That is a really great question. Um, I, I would say I would say building relationships is probably the key to success no matter what it is. You know, when you talk about a person that might be struggling right now financially, um, build relationships, you know, meet people via zoom um do do whatever you can to to uh, to to add value to other people um and grow your your network because that is going to that's going to be the single thing that's going to do determine your trajectory um in terms of education um it, it's a tough thing because right now to your point there's there's a lot of uncertainty there's a lot uh, we don't know what this looks like next year you know right um i hope you know knock on wood things turn around and and are somewhat normal you know next year but we don't know so i, I would say i would dig deep and figure out what is the what are the things that you're i'm best at um whether that's um being uh, again analytical or is it leading what are those core uh, soft skills that you can develop that don't cost money, right? Because one thing that you, you might not have is, is the capital or the finances to invest. But, you know, we all still have the same 24 hours. So Thanks. I would um, hop on YouTube. I would meet people. Um, I would maybe start a podcast where you can invite guests <laughs> that have the skills that you want to gain and ask them questions. That's what I did when I wanted to learn more about business and entrepreneurship. I said, okay, I'll start a podcast. I'll invite people on. I'll ask a couple of decent questions and I'll shut up and take notes. That's how I learned a lot of the concepts and all the, you know, a lot of the things that I know now in terms of business is because of my podcast. So I think that's a wonderful way to, to, to accomplish both of those things, building relationships and learning those skills um, that don't cost a ton of money. Got it. So if we were to kind of put a verdict on it, it's kind of a holding position right now thing you would say for like education. Obviously, I think we can both agree and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we both know that education is good, obviously, and that really can help you change those gears. But you're saying hold for now, perhaps, if it's not quite in the cards. Yeah, I, th- I think in terms of like I wouldn't if if I were in that position like right now, I'm unemployed and I'm looking for a position. 
I would continue to do that. I would continue to, to network. I would continue to, you know, to connect people. I would start a podcast in the area that I wanted to, to grow to. So let's say uh, I'm LZ and I want to become a marketing manager at a company. I would start a podcast interviewing marketing managers. That does two things. It gets my name in their, um, in their ecosystem. And it helps me establish a relationship with them so I can ask them things like, if you were me in this position, how would you approach your job search? Or if you were me in this position, how would you um, approach you know, building your rent, et cetera? And I would, I would do that, and I would take all of uh, the notes, and I would apply that to my own search. Um, and eventually, they're going to know a company that's looking for a marketing manager, and I'm going to already know uh, language. I'm already going to know um, maybe even somebody who works there because they were a guest on my podcast or, or something that will, will allow me to move into that position. Um, that could be, um, you know, uh, um, whatever, you know, the, the field that you're, you're looking to go, get into. Got it. So that's almost taking that, that strategy of it's it's sort of networking, but it's also sort of content creation. And you're probably going to feel a little bit uneasy in that at first, like, Oh, I don't really know if I'm doing this, but I think you've just maybe turned all of our listeners onto a brand new job hunt strategy where they might feel like an imposter at first, but eventually they may actually come to grow and love, you know, the way that they're actually doing some research to get you know better at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Okay. Almost, almost done here, Elsie. Not, not too many of these left, but uh, this one is another one I've kind of really wanted to uh, pick your brain about here. And Elsie, what would your message be to someone who's listening right now that's feeling that really huge pressure from imposter syndrome? You know, I'm not good enough. I can't get that job. I can't. I don't have those credentials, things like that. How would you help them sort of start taking swings at that barrier to see to break that? I would say, I would say, take small steps and celebrate small victories. A lot of times, you know, we we have this this big vision or this big goal, and we don't enjoy or embrace the journey. You know, working, uh, you know, in in bite sized um, pieces, I think mm-hmm. helps build that confidence. You know, so maybe it's all right um, today. I'm going to, um, uh, I'm going to connect with five people. Um, on LinkedIn. All right. That's a success. Celebrate that. All right. Tomorrow I'm going to to do five more and, and, and really just being intentional about celebrating the small things and, and, and embracing it w- even when it's you. Uh, I find a lot of times people, um, they, they will look at the, the victories of other people like, all right, Rob did, he launched his podcast, but that's Rob. I could never do that. Um, you know, just really having a right-sized perspective on on yourself, um, and knowing that you know the victory that you've won, it is important. It is a big deal, and celebrating those and, and those things add up. And you look back at the at the week, and now you have five, six, seven, twelve victories. And it's like, okay, maybe I can do it. Maybe I am um, good enough, or maybe I I can um, you know achieve that goal. Got it. Uh, and I think, I think that, that little chip at a time, I think, you know, even the, the most 
mighty wall can be kind of brought down by that, you know, just a chip at a time because eventually ice gets in there and, hey, we live in Wisconsin. We know what happens to pavement, right? Yep. <laughs> Cracks to pieces. So uh, another really interesting angle here, Elsie, was as I, I did a, some research for this show, you know, some legit research, not just the, you know, pick the around in here kind of research. And I came across an article from Harvard Business Review, which I've always kind of found great, you know, stuff from in the past. Um, they're really, you know, pretty spot on with the research. Um, they wanted, they, they said that you should reframe failure as a learning opportunity. And a lot of times I, I see at least on, on, on this show and in, in job hunts and things like that, a lot of folks likely see that when they get turned down from job, that's a failure. And when you get hit by, you know, 10, 15, 200 of those a week, that, sucks and again i think that that maybe that lets that specter of imposter syndrome kind of loom back up in, in your life uh reframing this as a learning opportunity in in my words i call this you know failing forward or learning you know uh lean into failure some what people call for yourself what does that consist of and how could our, our listeners apply that to their job hunt? yeah for me um for example my name is elzy Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very black name. So when you see my resume, you know that I'm a black guy. And when I first started my career, that bothered me because I, I know the research. I know that when you have uh, a, a black sounding name, the chances of you even getting a callback diminish. But, but here's what I did. But, you know, it, but, but here's the inviting the negative to the table. Right. Okay. So I say, okay. I invite that negativity to the table. I understand that that is there. And I say, okay, this is a thing. It's documented and researched. So it's, it's not me being crazy and making it up. So I, I have two choices, Rob. I could either allow that to, um, uh, you know, create that in syndrome in me saying, okay, maybe I'm not good enough because I've put 200 applications out. I haven't got any callbacks. Or I could invite that to the table and say, okay, what does that mean? is it right? Well, no, I'm educated. I have experience. Okay. So now I can move that negativity to the side and dismiss it as not true. And now I can deal with what is true. And it's okay. If I put out 300 resumes and five people call me back, the negative is the people who didn't call back maybe, but the positive is the five people who did call back know that my name is Elsie. They know I'm black and they're good with it. So it saved me time because I didn't have to go to those other 295 just to find out that they're not okay with me being who I am and my authentic self. So the way I look at it is it actually saves me time because I don't have to, to deal with the people who have a problem. They have the problem. There's no problem with me. Let's focus on the five that call back because I know that we're in alignment. Right. So the way I think about things is, again, invite the negative to the table, make that determination. Is it right? Is whatever that negative um, experience, is it right? Is there truth in it? And if so, let's deal with that truth. And if not, now we can, it's served this purpose, right? It's provided the value that the negative things can provide, move that over. And now let's deal with what we do have and how we can build on that. That and wow, that, that is. I'm really glad you framed it that way, Elsie, because that is something that actually I've wanted to, to tackle on the show too for folks. Because not everybody is, you know, 
named John or Mary or anything like that. And I think think the you know, black names or, or ethnic names uh, for other you know other cultures and things like that, if I can use a blanket term like that, um, really, I think a lot of times some really great people are really missed out on because some turkey in HR is racist. <laughs> well, so I, I love how you framed that. And I, and I think uh, that's going to be a subject of a future episode here. Uh, probably with somebody who, who we both know, uh, he has to do, deal with uh, professionalism and hairstyles, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Walter, I think it would yeah. be, be great to speak on that because his, his show uh, deals just almost exclusively with that kind of that discrimination and things like that. But uh, to, to shift away from, you know, issues that are really prevalent in our country today, which sucks. Uh, I think you, you've really framed that as a inviting the negative to the table to say, okay, you know, you are the voice that is not really a positive influence here, but you do have, you got a point. And I, I think framing that and, and saying it's your imposter syndrome uh, and your self doubt is a valid, a valid opinion almost, if you will. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily the one that you are, that you should embrace, but that's, you know what, you're here and you're right. I did really do a terrible job at that last application or whatever. I think that that really is going to help a lot of people to reframe and and sort of lean into that as, as we were talking about here. That's uh, that is some sound advice. Good, sir. Thank you. Excellent. Well, this is not, we're down to the last one, Elsie. This is, this is (laughs) it. And this is the chance where we get to kind of turn the show on its head a little bit. And you kind of get to, to pick the questions now. So in the realm of jobs and imposter syndrome and all these things that are kind of floating around this, is there anything that we missed that I, you know, didn't get in my questioning or didn't come up in kind of our, you know, impromptu questions that you think that folks should really hear from you today to consider going and consider going forward? Yep. The one thing that, that I did and as, as much as I wish I could take and, um, you know, um, I, as much as I wish I, as I could take credit for this, it wasn't, wasn't my concept. And the concept is this, when I was working for these, um, these organizations, these companies, I would approach it as if I were the CEO or if I, as if I owned the company. And so I would look at things like, um, interdepartmental communication, uh, how things worked, even if it's not my job, right? So if I'm, uh, I had a job as a uh, at, at McDonald's. I was on fries, so I was curious about okay, well, how much do these fries cost wholesale, right? Okay. How much do they cost retail, and why would we mark? The, uh, why why would we? Why would the organization take a, take a hit on margin here, but not here? Or why why do the servers do this? Or what does this mean from a from a top down perspective, and how does that affect my position? How does that affect my uh, colleagues upstream, downstream, and across stream? And what that did for me is that gave me a really good understanding of how the business worked, and that led to me getting opportunities because I understood the business. Uh, a lot of people are so focused on just the, their job, their role, that they miss out on the, the larger uh, perspective of the organization. Um, and I will venture to say that no matter what organization you're a part of, it, if you take ownership 
and think about it as if you're the owner that will get noticed and you will have opportunities because of that approach and because of that perspective, because it's going to change the way you do things. Right. You know, I may um, put the, the red handle on the right side until I realize that, well, if I put it on the left side, when I hand it off, it makes it easier for the person next to me. They're going to appreciate that and they're going to help you. And, and then the cycle just continues. So I think having that perspective as if you're the owner, because technically you are, and you, the only difference between um, an entrepreneur and um, an individual contributor is the individual comp- contributor has one customer, and that's the person who's paying your paycheck. Uh, the entrepreneur has many. So I think reshaping or reframing that perspective will lead to success, even in your job search. You know, you want to find a company who can uh, be a great customer or a client for you, not the other way around. Okay. Uh, that That is, I missed that, and that was great. <laughs> this has just been so much fun, Elsie. And, and, you know, as I'm looking kind of at the, the show clock here, uh, it, it's about time to wrap up. You, you have just been a fabulous guest for the show, and I think everybody listening can understand that, number one, you run a pretty neat community. Uh, with podcast town, what you do and kind of how you make uh, make your your way in the world, and I think that you've really provided a lot of reference points for them to to use that in their job hunt. As far as okay, well, this, you know, this is this is what we were talking about here, and this is how it kind of it has an allegory to what I'm doing when I'm putting in those applications or writing a cover letter or whatever it might be. Uh, and again, you know, you're also a connection. I know that you you won the title for you know best connection of 2020 for me on, on uh, LinkedIn, which is outstanding. And you just happen to be an all around great kind of guy. So I'm gonna put this out there for for you. And where can people find out uh, where to get more of of Elsie and and everything that's associated to you in internet land? Where should they follow you, Elsie? Um, I'm big on LinkedIn, um, so you can just search my my name, LZD Flinard. There, there, there are actually three of us, or four technically. Really? My son is an LZ as oh, well. That's right. Uh, but he's that. not on LinkedIn yet. He's only five, so uh, I'm the Get only. Get him started. <laughs> <laughs> Build that I'm network. Only, <laughs> I'm the only LZ uh, D Flinard the third on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is my main uh, platform. Uh, but in terms of Podcast Town, uh, just PodcastTown.net. And uh, that's where all the information about the community, the network, all the stuff that we do uh, are in those two places. Excellent. Or, or you could email me, mayor at podcasttown.net. Right on. And did we ever explain the mayor thing? Or maybe that's the no, parting, parting shot here. Please explain the mayor thing. Got people waiting for minute three to be like, why do they call him the mayor? <laughs> so, so here's the thing. So I am a huge fan of coaching. I think coaching is the difference between a person who is good and a person who's great. So I have a few coaches and uh, we were, we were brainstorming. We were thinking of ways to frame podcast town, the brand. And uh, he says to me, he says, LZ, you're the mayor. You're, you're the mayor of podcast town. And I said, Hmm. Okay. I'm the mayor. I'm the mayor of podcast town. That's how, that's how it happened. It's a, it's a great little title because it's so memorable. And I think that, uh, a lot of folks are going to walk away from the show today and say, that mayor guy was pretty great. I should check out what he's doing, you know, whether it's connecting with you on LinkedIn or, or any of those, uh, those other platforms. I know you guys have uh, you know, a Facebook group for, for tourists of podcast town. I think yes. you mentioned the other day. So yep. uh, listeners, if you want to stop by tourists of podcast town to see what we all kind of, kind of do, you know, without, uh, 
you know, setting up a, a residence there. <laughs> if you want to want to come visit, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we're kind of wrapping things up, and and this is uh, this is basically the end. So, Elsie, thank you so much today for your insight into kind of taking imposter syndrome and not only reframing it, but kind of slapping it around a bit and saying, hey, you know, knock it off. Uh, and this was great advice. This was this episode was more than I ever thought it, it could be. Uh, so on my end, I'm going to close things out for me. And uh, for us here at Recruiting Hell is always, if you folks have questions, comments, feedback, whatever it might be with us here at Recruiting Hell, uh, you can drop us a line at the Recruiting Hell podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and this next little part is getting a little bit bigger than I had anticipated because, uh, and Elsie, I think you'll, this will be some fun, surprising news for you. Uh, for the next couple episodes here, uh, episodes 13, 14, and 15, uh, this, this segment's going to be a bit of a mess because the brand is kind of everywhere now. You can, of course, as always, follow us on Twitter at recruiting underscore hell, uh, Instagram, recruiting hell podcast on our Facebook fan page. And actually, just before we started recording this, uh, before we got into this call, uh, I've lined up a few additional platforms to go live uh, in the next uh, week. Actually, we did just secure recruitinghell.co, and it is under construction right now. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. Uh, and then, of course, there we got are on YouTube now. This is actually the first uh, cast that will have a true video with it, which is great. So everybody see your face and my face, Elsie. Uh, and eventually, we'll, we'll squish this down into go to x y and z and we'll be done but there was so much happening this week for us uh, listeners and of course LD, i wanted to share that with y'all so uh to close it out if you haven't subscribed followed or shared the show pretty much anywhere now i would greatly appreciate it and uh of course there are millions of americans out there who could benefit from learning more about how to you know, power up their job hunt they are your friends and neighbors so let's get them helped out uh recruiting hell is a production of westport studios here in beautiful port washington wisconsin and of course a resident podcast of the one and only podcast town uh, if you're looking for more great shows, uh, please check out uh, RecruitingHell.co when it launches for our other great content creators who help make this show better, including Elsie Villanard, who is launching two new podcasts as well here uh, in the near future. So last but not least, thank you as always to Purple Planet Music for our theme and you, the listener, for tuning in. I'm Rob Conlon, and until we meet again, keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and Recruiting Hell will, of course, be there to help you keep pace.